Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights. I am Manish Jaradi, Senior Investment Strategist. And on this episode of the podcast, we discuss the implications of the recent U.S. Federal Reserve policy meeting and rising U.S. Treasury yields on asset markets. Joining me today for this conversation, I'm glad to welcome Marco Yakini, Cross-Asset Strategist, and DJ Cheong, Investment Strategist. Marco, my first question is for you. It seems like the Fed is okay for the economy to run a bit hot. Is, is, is that what it seems like after the policy meeting? Hi, Manish. Uh, yes, that's correct, I would say. Um, this week, the Fed definitely stole the show. Uh, the message from their policy meeting was unmistakable. Uh, the U.S. Central Bank wants to run the economy hot for quite some time and will only tighten policy if actual inflation, not expectations, significantly and sustainably rise above their 2% expectations. Now, we think this will likely add some volatility into the bond markets, and that's because investors will now scrutinize every bit of inflation data in the coming months, and that's because they will, they will more likely look for any signs on what the Fed might do next causing, therefore, as I was saying, some volatility. That doesn't change the fundamental picture, though, where the environment of accelerating growth and extremely dovish central banks is bullish for risky assets. Um, Just as a further example, the ECB announced a faster pace of of bond buying last week. So, as I was saying, this backdrop is bullish for risky assets, and particularly for U.S. and Asian equities, as well as higher-yielding corporate and emerging market bonds and currencies, in our view. Hence, uh, we retain our pro-risk stance. Now, focusing back on the Fed, it upgraded its growth forecast for the U.S. economy for 2021 to 6.5% from 4.1% previously. Now, however, the Fed governors do not anticipate raising short-term interest rates from the current low levels, at least until 2023. This is primarily because they do not expect that inflation, as I was saying earlier, will rise significantly above their 2% target for a sustained period of time. In fact, uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell made it clear that the central bank will look through any surge in near-term inflation, inflation due to distortions from last year's pandemic. Now, this is important to keep in mind because we are right around the 12-month mark past the worst lockdowns across the globe uh, from last year, right? And as economies back then came to a halt, and therefore inflation prints collapsed. What that means is that the year-on-year comparison right now could be quite eye-catching, simply because of the low uh, levels of 12 months ago. Now, the implications for the Fed's decisions are quite important in our view. For one, it means that uh, they're comfortable with the recent rise in long-term bond yields, as it Um, as they see that this rise reflects the improvement in the growth outlook, actually. And now in the face of this new evidence, we adjusted our stance slightly, and we now see increased chances that the Fed could stay on the sidelines as long as the 10-year Treasury yields remains below below 2%, and as long as financial conditions do not tighten much further from here. Um, And that could be either by a significant equity or corporate bond sell-off, or perhaps uh, through a U.S. dollar surge. Now, in the meantime, though, speaking of the US dollar, uh, that should get further support in the coming weeks from the widening growth differentials between US and Europe, especially given that Europe's recovery prospects have been delayed by the revival of pandemic in some countries and also due to the vaccine setbacks. 
um, looking at what's next in focus and what are some risks for the markets, we watch for news on the Biden's uh, expected $2 trillion infrastructure spending plan, uh, which, is the, which is potentially gonna, going to be unveiled in the coming days. And uh, hopefully this will shed some light on his plans for uh, perhaps higher taxes to fund the stimulus. As we think, it's quite important because they are potential headwinds for risky assets. We'll also monitor any news coming from the first U.S.-China high-level meeting under the Biden administration in Alaska, which is likely to set the, set the tone for their geopolitical rivalry in the coming years. Thanks, Marco. Um, let's let's uh, extend the implications a bit more onto equity sectors. Which, which sectors are likely to benefit under the new regime of rising growth, moderate inflation, and a supportive Fed? Yes, so the Fed's preference to let the economy run hot is favorable for economic recovery, for the economic recovery and bodes well for value sectors, that is financials, energy, and materials. Uh, speaking of energy, we see the potential for, stronger, for a strong earnings rebound here, and, but there are risks due to the pro-environmental policies being, uh, being discussed. Now, as we think um, as we focus and as we think short-term interest rates will remain anchored at the zero lower bound, the slope of the U.S. Treasury yield curve, uh, which is the difference between the long-dated and the short-term dated yields, is likely to steepen from here, uh, steepen further, I should say. This should be positive for the U.S. financial sector, as banks benefit from higher margins on their loans. But also, uh, materials and crude oil are likely to be benefit uh, to benefit from the scenario, along with those parts of the equity markets linked to the economic recovery, such as the industrial sectors, for example. Um, if I focus specifically on the material sector for a moment, on a global level, we see strong EPS growth at 39% in the next 12 months. And also, its price-to-earnings ratio is at about 24% discount to, their, to global equities. Just to give you some context and, and to put this into perspective, it's only during the global financial crisis of 2008 that we saw a deeper discount level for materials versus global equities. Now, on the demand side, still talking about materials, in the short term, the key drivers would be the cyclical recovery, of course, the fiscal stimulus, and China's environmental policy constraining iron, iron ore demand, for example. While over the longer term, it will depend on the shift towards renewable energy and electric vehicles, which could lead, for example, to increasing demand for metals such as copper. Um, talking briefly on the supply side, uh, for example, speaking of copper again, it, the supply seems to be uh, constrained, and that might lead to further price squeezes in the space metal. So it could potentially be uh, positive, a positive catalyst for materials. Now, last but not least, the, the, this overall backdrop continues to support our view that value stocks are likely to continue to catch up with their growth peers, um, as highlighted by the positive view that I just uh, discussed uh, over the sectors just a moment ago. Thanks, Marco. DJ, um, my next question is for you, uh, and particularly U.S. Treasury yields. And the key question is, will U.S. Treasury yields rise further after the latest uh, Fed meeting? Thanks, Manish. I think that's a great question, given how the surge higher in U.S. use has captured the attention of most market participants. I think Marco has talked about the equity implications earlier. So what I'll do is I'll just give everyone a brief overview of where we expect U.S. use to go from here. Now, in its latest policy meeting earlier this week, the Fed has revised its growth and inflation forecast higher. But the median dot plot showed that uh, you know, policymakers do expect no rate hikes until end 2023, which is later than current market expectations. In our view, 
economic and in particular inflation, as well as fiscal stimulus data, are key to how much further the 10-year Treasury yield can rise from here. The rise in the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index, or PCE in short, will pose an upside risk to the 10-year Treasury yield from current levels. And on the other hand, economic data disappointments and the prospect of higher U.S. taxes are downside risks to use. From a technical standpoint, the short-term momentum could continue to push yields higher as inflation expectations still remain supported. While bonds are oversold, there are no signs of a reversal so far. The next resistance to watch is 195 to 198 on the upside, around the late 2019 highs and the 200-week moving average. And on the downside, the yield would need to fall below the early March high of 138 for the upward pressure to fade. Thanks, DJ. Um, one more question. Do you expect crude oil prices to keep rising and will it impact the inflation outlook? I think it's a great question, Manish. I think there are two parts to this question. I'll answer the first part first. So with regard to oil prices, we remain constructive there and we expect prices to move back above $70 per barrel towards the 2018 high. This is underpinned by supply-led rebalancing by OPEC Plus and a normalization of global oil demand. Now, in that sense, oil markets have shown signs of tightening in recent months as inventories continue to draw. This has also been highlighted by the backwardation in the WTI futures uh, slash forward curve. The recent conclusion of the OPEC Plus meeting saw oil prices push higher on the back of Saudi's cautious approach. We believe the cartel will now wait to see actual improvements in demand as opposed to forecast revisions. Uh, on the other hand, U.S. shale output will unlikely increase significantly given continued CAPEX discipline. On the demand side of things, uh, high-frequency indicators are uh, you know, still showing signs of improvement as the vaccine rollout should help dispel health-related travel concerns. Uh, on product side, gasoline and diesel demand have rebounded, although jet fuel demand continues to lag. Although we expect further price gains ahead, we note renewed demand concerns could see the market take a breather in the near term, given the elevated level of optimism that has already been priced in. Catalysts for the recent correction in recent days include the recent U.S. stockpile build, as well as the stalling of vaccine rollouts in various countries. Uh, so how does this impact the inflation outlook? And that is the second part of the question. Uh, historically, short-term fluctuations in inflation expectations, which we proxy using the 10-year inflation break-evens in the U.S., uh, that has been driven by oil price moves. This means a further increase in oil prices could indirectly lead to higher inflation expectations. And like Marco highlighted earlier, we believe the Fed will likely look through base effects given its new average inflation targeting framework. Thanks again, Marco and DJ, for joining our conversation. That's all for this episode of Standard Chartered Money Insights. If you would like to learn more or read our publications, please visit our website at sc.com under Market Insights. As a reminder, if you enjoyed our discussion, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.